When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, covering all things Manchester United. Match previews, reports, reviews, youth roundups, loan roundups, and your questions. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 2, Episode 13. It is now we're reviewing another frustrating game at Old Trafford where we dropped another two points. We also look ahead to Thursday's game against Feyenoord briefly and the first of two consecutive games at home to West Ham. Two in the space of four days, I think. Jack, we've run out of adjectives to describe our, our home form at the moment. Burnley, Stoke, Arsenal. Not, not always the same problem, but the same feeling after it. Yeah, 100%. It's so frustrating to see us just keep dropping stupid points at home. Um, and in, in some ways, what makes it worse is that we really haven't played very badly in any of those games. Um, in fact, I'd argue that those three games are maybe up some of our best performances this season. Definitely Stoke and Burnley. Arsenal, maybe not quite so much, but I thought we dealt with them very well. Um, and we've come away from with three points out of nine in those three games, three of our best performances this season. Um, it's just so, so frustrating because you feel like this team is close to being a good side and we just seem to never be able to get over the line in games like this, whether it's not, not being able to, to actually get the ball in the back of the net or conceding late goals or whatever it is. It's just so frustrating to have to keep re- revisiting this every week. Oh, United dropped two points at home. United dropped two points at home. Uh, it's just so frustrating. Uh, it, I mean, we need to sort it out very soon. Isn't it the first time since, is it 92 that we've drawn three three home games in a row? Yeah, I think it is. It's just that a 
lack of ability to to kill off games is awful. I, I hate to bring it back to the Fergie days, but what else have we got to compare? I mean, I haven't gone through anything else. So what what else am I going to compare it to? Under Fergie, we were so good at killing off games, and I don't know what worries me is that this seems to be our mentality. One goal. If there's 20 minutes left, then it seems like Mourinho thinks that's enough to hold on to. I would only think that with about five minutes to go because I know I know what we can do and if we can score eight goals, then so can other teams. It, I mean, we're not special in that sense. Why are we going to fall into the trap that other teams used to fall for? And, and you bring like someone like Morgan Schneider on. Defensive subs are brilliant if you're under the cosh, but Arsenal had a shot in the second half. He could have just killed it off with another goal because we were absolutely dominating them at that point. Um and by maybe possibly, uh, maybe not conceding another goal, we that that's how Mourinho seems to want to kill it off. The the best way, it's very simple. The best way to kill it off, and this isn't always the case because sometimes you're under immense pressure and that that's not a possibility. But when you're not, the best way to to kill a game off is by scoring another one. Yeah, I I'd have to agree there. It's it's frustrating that we keep wanting to kill off games from such a long time out. Like you said, it's so difficult, especially against the team with the quality of Arsenal to hold hold on and sit back for 20 minutes at the end of a game. It's just not realistic to do that. And it wasn't... I, I think I think the difference is that p- people often confuse kind of sitting back and really holding on to to not really trying to create much. Um, and there is a big difference. You, you go back to, even to last season and the season before under Van Hull, we were very good in big games. And part of the reason was when we did take the lead in big games, we were so good at just keeping the ball. We weren't really going anywhere, which was the frustration for most of the season. But there were times where it actually helped because we were so good at just keeping the ball, not really looking to go anywhere. But it just it just kept the pressure off us because the best way the best way to keep control of a game is just to have possession. And it seems like we were unable to do that against Arsenal. Like whenever we wanted, whenever we managed to get a few touches on the ball in the last twenty minutes, we just wanted to go forward as fast as we can to try and to try and uh, nick another goal on the counter attack. And while that is that isn't a bad option, sometimes you just need to slow the game down. You need to take the sting out of the game, and you need to just have control of it for five or ten minutes. It's just a brief spell of possession calms the team down, it calms the stadium down, and it it wastes so much time in the game as well if you're controlling the pace of it because then you can dictate the clock, you can dictate how much time you're taking doing everything. And it's something that we we've actually I think are doing worse now than we were last season, which is not what we expected with Mourinho. Give credit to Mourinho and the players because I think our game plan was very good against Arsenal, to be fair. I think we executed it pretty well. Very few poor performances. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all well and good playing well for 70, 80 minutes. But if you can't kill off the game, then it's useless. And also some people are blaming uh, Marcus Rashford for, for Arsenal's equaliser. And it seems to me, if, you, if we are going to go for that, what seems to be an unsensible tactic of of trying to kill off a game by literally just sitting and as the term that Mourinho coined, parking the bus. Um, not quite to the extent that we've seen him do sometimes. But if we're going to try and go for a tactic of, of sorts similar to that, to put Marcus Rashford, a 19-year-old striker-come-winger who has never really had to defend in his life. Because at youth level, you rarely get situations uh, like this, particularly under 18 level. Because... Um, just to remind people, he didn't play at under-21 level. He's only played at under-18. You wouldn't get a situation like that. He's not ready for that. So to put him on the left wing when Wayne Rooney comes on, we'll move on to Rooney in a sec, I thought he did quite well. Um, to put him on the left wing to face, uh, I think it was Oxlade-Chamberlain, seems a, a strange decision to me. Because an inexperienced 19-year-old, maybe someone more experienced, would have just committed the foul, taken the booking, 
uh, or, or someone who's just better defending. It seemed a, an odd move for Mourinho to do that. It did. I was very surprised that Rashford wasn't taken off or, as you said, switched with Rooney at some point. He hasn't had that kind of exposure. And I know that, that the best way for someone to get that exposure, I guess, is, is to, to live in it. But at the end of the day, you have to think about whether that was really the right decision to, to leave him in there when we know he's got no experience in that situation. And I'm, I'm not going to blame the game on Rashford because at the end of the day, there were a lot of things that, that could have gone better in the last five or ten minutes. It was a mistake. But you know what? It, it happens. He'll learn from it. What, what was poor was that defensively, our organisation had been so good up to that point. And it, even in the box, it just seemed like there's a lot of disarray going on. I think Koscielny, um kind of ran into Phil, like not a foul, but ran into Phil Jones and that kind of made the header for Giroud a bit easier. So it was a bit of bad luck as well, but I don't think you can blame Rashford there. I think it was bad planning on Mourinho's part and also also pretty poor from the people on the pitch as well because, all right, the manager, like Mourinho might, might be saying that Rashford should, should stay out wide, but at some point you have the experience of Rooney on the pitch. You have people like De Gea who, now need, who is now one of our most experienced players. Um, Carrick was still on the pitch at this point. Schneiderlin is a pretty experienced player now. Um, and these kind of players should have stepped up and realised what the situation was. Um, and you, you can, we can blame Rashford all we want, but it, we know that Rashford isn't a great defender. So why was he left isolated against Oxlade Chamberlain 1v1 out wide? That, I mean, and that comes down to all the other players as well, not just Rashford himself. Yep. On to some positives because there were plenty. Yeah. Well, well, there were only really 20 seconds of negatives. Um, the, the rest of the game was, um, was pretty good to watch yeah. and, and surprising in all honesty. I thought we'd get absolutely battered. Yeah, a few a few injuries for Arsenal. Not their not their perfect eleven uh, for Arsenal Wenger, but generally a very positive game. And the, the team is progressing. It's definitely clear. Not as quickly as we would have expected or wanted. Um, but for me, and this is on a team level and a, and on a Paul Pogba level, because what would a Manchester United discussion be without talk about Paul Pogba? Um, a gradual improvement is is more sustainable than a sudden improvement. And that, that goes for the team and Pogba, who I think is improving game by game, becoming having more of an impact on the game and perhaps not an obvious impact like a goal, but certainly an impact in terms of doing what we signed it for, which wasn't just for goals. Um, a few other little things. Uh, Antonio Valencia nailed on for the Ballon d'Or now. Um, <laughs> absolute certainty for that after that performance. And every other performance, clearly the best player in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and Michael Carrick, as as we well know, is, is good at football. Um, and well, just Mourinho has now said he's probably going to get another new contract, another another year added onto this, and said, "I wish I could have worked with him at twenty five, not thirty five. So come on, Jose, play him, play him every game or, or <laughs> not every game, but most games. And and why matter? What a player! Uh, he, he needs to start getting more praise." Because um, we criticised him quite a lot, him and Herrera last season. I think um, we we had little rants about them because they were they were getting off with with quite a lot of poor things. But Matt's big game record is it's just astonishing. I, I don't know when this is from, but Sky Sports did a thing of uh, big game influence, and out of the the sort of matter like players, the ones you class in that category, so the ones where we go Matt is the best attacking midfield in the league and then all the other people's fans go no Coutinho and then everyone laughs at them and says De Bruyne and Ozil those kind of players so Matt Coutinho Ozil Silva De Bruyne Hazard and Christian Eriksen strange that he's in there Matter has the the biggest goal slash assist sort of impact on a game that's that's not everything in a big game but 
Mata's record in terms of that is is truly brilliant in, in the big games like this. Liverpool, Arsenal, City does it against all of them. Yeah, I I must admit I I almost feel a little bit bad because I give him Mata a hard time since he joined United just because I uh, I don't I don't know I wasn't completely sold on him at first. I wasn't sure whether he was he was right for us, but the last year or so he has really won me over. And this season his form has been brilliant. I give him so much credit for the way he's come in. Especially given his history with Mourinho, uh, he's come in, he's got his head down, and he's won the right to be one of the first names in the team sheet now. And it was nice when uh, when he came off recently that him and Mourinho shared a little hug. It was as if you know their relationship is being repaired somewhat, and it was great to see that. Um, and I just think Mata, his his whole career, especially at Man United, there have been so many memorable moments of big games. Go, go back to the. The Juanfield uh, game, you know, two goals, including that spectacular uh, scissor kick. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess it was a scissor kick to win the game at Anfield. Um, and I, he, he's just such a, he, he's maybe not the most physically gifted player, but on the ball, he's great. His vision is amazing. And he steps up when we need him on so many occasions. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, at Anfield, the City 4-2, key player in that. There's there's yep. just so many moments where you think, where we think back in the last three seasons uh, since he came. I think it was January 2014 when he came. 37 million paid that back at Anfield alone, <laughs> and then he just continued to do so. And and yeah, we criticised him last season, but the main reason for that was that no one in that team could get away without being criticised, except perhaps Rashford and Martial. But now becoming a key player, as is Herrera, and that sort of trio. If you see the Herrera, Carrick, Pogba, Mata. In the starting lineup, you think, right? Whoever's around this team, I think that's that's the right core of it or the, the right centre of it. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think especially the Herrera, Carrick, Pogba trio in midfield, depending on what formation we play, because Mata could, I guess, play a bit further forward. But yeah, that that Carrick, Herrera, Pogba trio for me is definitely the way to go. Herrera this season has has really stepped up a level for me. He's been one of the, one of the best players so far this season for us, and he's really proven that. He he deserves to be, have that central midfield spot nailed down, keeping Fellaini out of the team at the moment. Which, you know, to, to, no matter what we think, Mourinho obviously likes Fellaini, so it's no mean feat to actually be doing that right now. Um, and he he's been great. Carrick brings us a level of experience, a level of control that we just don't have with other midfield combinations. Um, and then Pogba, I, I I'm not going to go into Pogba too much, but I I actually think that Pogba's playing a lot better than people give him credit for. Um, He's kind of flown, I guess not under the radar, because he's getting a lot of attention in a negative way. But people seem to be giving him a hard time because he, just because he's not maybe getting the flashy stats. But his general play in the last two months has actually been very, very good. I can't remember any particularly poor games that he's had. Um, and he's, I think, starting to settle, settle in. And I think playing next to Herrera helps because Herrera is really all action. He's always involved in the game. And it allows Pogba the freedom, and especially knowing Carrick is there too, it allows Pogba the freedom to roam. And I think they really showed on on Saturday against Arsenal. Yeah, it's exactly that. The the expectations for Pogba, I I don't think will ever be filled. Yeah, it was possible with Ronaldo to to fulfil that sort of eighty million price tag, but I think as a midfielder, not a goal scorer, I don't think you can really ever fulfil such a, a big status and a price tag. And it's difficult for Pogba, but if he just continues gradually improving, then I don't really care what anyone else says because that's sort of 
what you want from from someone you spent that much money on. Um, and and he's putting in the performance. I I think he's playing well, but a good performance for him is is what would be a brilliant performance for someone else. It's sort of what I think. So at the moment we're seeing an average performance from him, and that's why it's called average. But if someone yeah. else put in a performance similar to that, say say Fellaini did it, did that, or Herrera did, even Herrera did that, and we and we rate Herrera very highly, then I think it would be seen as a very good performance. But for him, because of the price tag, because of the expectations, it's just it's just average. This this is going to be a short episode because Feyenoord's on Thursday, so we'll have a quick youth and loan roundup and then move on to them. On Saturday, Callum Gribbin scored a hat trick at Liverpool's academy in a three-three draw. Elias Muta Sebtwai. Uh, difficult to pronounce that one. Save two penalties in a brilliant game. Two really exciting sides with players worth looking out for in both teams. It's fantastic for Gribbon, who now has four goals and an assist in three games since returning from a three-month absence with injury. To watch from the sidelines for him, uh, new signings, new figures like Angel Gomez. I'm sure you've heard of him now. We've spoken about him a couple of times. Tahith Chong, Nishan Burkhart, DJ Buffonge, Indy Boonen. Uh, they've been scoring for fun. To watch from the sidelines for Gribbon must have been difficult, but uh, he's come back and hit the ground running and, and getting 90 minutes a couple of weeks in a row, I think. So very good for him. At under-23 level, United faced a tough Sunderland side on Monday night with Sebastian Larsson and Jan Kirchhoff scoring the two goals for the Black Cats at Lay Sports Village. It'll be good to see United, I think, uh, certainly utilise the, the under-23 rules plus three overage players with a bit more. Use those rules a bit more. Obviously, with caution, um, but use them to our advantage a bit more. Memphis could be getting minutes. He's still under 23, so wouldn't even be an overage player, which seems ridiculous, but true. Uh, and, and like Timothy Fossimense is wasting this season. A first-teamer, but not involved in the, in the matchday squad. And yeah, it's great to be training with them, but he should be he should start playing for the under-23s. And, and this is particularly evident, the, the Memphis point, um, in this under-23 squad, last time we spoke to you, Warren Joyce had just left. And I, I mentioned how he's had to deal with having no striker at this level. Um, and that, that's still true. We don't have a striker. Um, at the moment, it's, it's one of Matty Willick or sometimes Devontae Redrun, sometimes Dimitri Mitchell playing up front. So so using a striker from the first team could be very beneficial, not just to, to the players coming down from the first team, but also for for the under-23 team, because at the moment they're not playing in their own positions, um, which isn't beneficial at all. On loan, meanwhile, Guillermo Varela is set to come back after the Bundesliga winter break. Eintracht Frankfurt confirmed this weekend, having been out since early September with an ankle ligament injury, and he had operation on that. Andreas Pereira was the only United player in action, actually. Um, played 64 minutes for Granada against Valencia in a 1-1 draw on Sunday in La Liga. And Nanyanazai, Dean Henderson, both unused substitutes for Sunderland and Grimsby Town, respectively. While Cameron Borthwick-Jackson wasn't in the matchday squad for Wolves under new manager Paul Lambert, his first game in charge. Joel Pereira, meanwhile, had no game this weekend. Right, uh, let's move on to final to Thursday night. There's, there's not a huge amount to say about this. Except we, strangely for the Europa League, we actually really need to win. Yeah, it's awful that we've got ourselves into this situation. Yeah, like like you said, not not too much to say really. We need to win. Expect a heavily rotated squad. Yeah, I mean that that's that's really it. I I guess um, not really too much more to say about it. We sh- we should be beating Feyenoord. Um, obviously we didn't last time, but at home you normally would expect us to win. Our home form recently suggests that maybe we won't, but. Hopefully, with a few fresh faces in the squad can help freshen things up and we finally get a positive result in the Europa League. 
Yeah, uh, Henry Mkhitaryan said to be involved. Mourinho said, "I don't know. I don't know how I'd react if I was Mkhitaryan." He basically said, uh, "He he can't handle the pr- pressure of the Arsenal game, but he's going to be playing on Thursday." So a positive and a negative for Mkhitaryan there. But it'll be good to see him, um, and hopefully with less pressure against a, a lesser side, as we think. But we have often us- underestimated teams in the Europa League. Basically, in every single game we've played in the Europa League, in fact, as as I'm sure Zoria Luhansk and well, more FC Midtjylland would tell you, and Basel back in 2011. Uh, God, that was bad. Um, but uh, and this sort of relates to a question we've got from Ross McCloy via Twitter: Can Mkhitaryan get the groove back, or is he the next Kagawa slash Cleberson slash Liam Miller? And I'm sure we could add many names to that list. Um, what do you think? I I, I genuinely think he can. Uh, I mean, looking at Angel Di Maria, different situation definitely because he was getting played. Um, mm. But and and this is slightly different because I think one of the, the main issues was Dean Maria that he didn't speak English, whereas Mkhitaryan does. But foreign players need two seasons at least. I don't I don't think you can just discount them after a season because the Premier League, even though it's not the best quality in the world, um, it's definitely very different. In fact, any, moving from any league to another one is very different. Some people settle straight away, other people don't. Mkhitaryan... I think he's going to get chances because Mourinho seems to be pleased with the fact that he stopped complaining. Um, we don't know if he's complaining in the first place and he's just got his head down, has trained, proving himself. And I think if he does put the performances in, he'll be played. I don't think it's a yeah. matter of a relationship. I just don't, I think Mourinho was absolutely horrified as we all were by what he saw in the derby. I, I, I actually have quite a lot of respect for Mkhitaryan at the moment because I think you're right. It would have been very easy for him to come out and throw the toys out the pram and, and really mouth off about Mourinho and the club, but he's not. It seems like he's gone into training, got his head down, and tried to earn his place back in the team. Um, I feel sorry for him as well, because I think he was harshly treated after the derby. He didn't play well, but he was by no means the only one in that first half. And I don't think that one game should really define the fact that he's then not in the team for, what, another two, two and a half months. Um, but I I agree. I do think he, he can um, get back to his self, get back to his old self. We we know how good a player Mkhitaryan is. He's proved that in the last few seasons at Dortmund. Um, but I think I think you're right about needing time to adapt. It's all about giving getting him in an, an environment where he can utilize the talent that we know he has. At the moment, he hasn't been able to do so. But I genuinely do think that he that he if he's given game time, will come good. I also think he would actually really work in in the current setup. If you, if you had matter through the middle and Mkhitaryan on the right. I think that's a really expansive and really exciting um, forward line there with potentially Rashford on the left. So I hope he does. I hope he does get some more game time. I hope that he plays well against Final because I think that might be a defining game for him. I think if if he doesn't perform, then it it could be bad news for him in terms of trying to get game time in the next few weeks. Uh, and on our second question um, from my brother, strangely. Uh, can Herrera become a Carrick-like player to anchor the midfield long-term, or is he just too attacking by nature? Uh, I, w- I I think he he is too attacking. Honestly, I don't think he's the kind of person that will that would take too well to that role of really just sitting and anchoring the back four. Um, m- maybe when he's older in his career, when maybe he he needs to adapt his role because he might not have the engine to to keep being a box box. But Herrera Herrera's biggest strength in my opinion is the fact that he is a genuine box-to-box midfielder he is someone who will go from corner to corner of the pitch he's very adept going forward but he's very combative in defense sometimes a bit too much he's quite rash and was in the Paul Skull kind of mold defensively sometimes but 
I can't see him becoming the new Carrick um, personally. I think he will retain and remain as that pure box-to-box midfielder. But he, I think he will be the slightly more defensive out of him and Pogba. Yeah, I basically agree with that. Well, whether he can be as important as Carrick, I think he can. But to, to actually anchor the midfield long-term, I, I don't think is realistic because while he's had some good games there against uh, the the elite opposition, I don't think he's got the, the discipline at the moment to, to do so. So yeah, he is just too attacking by nature. That's all we have time for on Series 2, Episode 13 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. As always, um, we'll be back with a bit more regularity after this one. Should have an episode out every Monday night if you want to set a reminder and listen to us regularly. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy another busy couple of weeks. Um, we're Feyenoord, then West Ham on Sunday, and then West Ham on Wednesday again. Strange lineup of fixtures. And then after that, we've got even more. So enjoy them. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 And if you want to follow the podcast itself, at UTD Weekly Pod at P-O-D. Again, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.